Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, and I am the pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and I am so glad you are listening today. I believe that if you are listening to our show each and every week, uh, that you are listening for a reason and a purpose, and, and as always, my prayer is that that will be shown to you uh, at some point today or or whenever God decides to do that. Uh, I do want to welcome you to a new week. Uh, We're starting a new series, just a small little series called Love and Hate, where we're talking about what does God love and what does God hate. Um, It's going to be a little bit weird because I am on vacation uh, starting this next week. And so today, uh, you are listening to a week one of Love and Hate, and then we are going to skip a week uh, we will have some kind of message for you. We're not sure what that will be quite yet, uh, but we will not just skip a complete week. It will not be blank. We'll still have a show, uh, but we will have something else in place. And then in two weeks, I will have uh, the second week of our series of Love and Hate. So let's just get moving on with this week, will we? All right. So what are the things that God loves and what are the things that, that maybe God hates a little bit? Because in our desire and relationship with someone, uh, don't we want to understand a little bit of what they love and also what they hate so that we can do more of what they love and less of what they hate, right? So we all love and hate different things. And so before we get going into our complete message today, I, I want to ask you kind of this question, you know, how many of you maybe hate country music? You know, because I don't even understand it sometimes. It's it's like you took my dog and you took my wife and now my wife and dog are gone. And and to me, that's kind of devastating. And and I, you know, it's, it's kind of horrible to think about it. Or or maybe you don't uh, hate, you know, country music and you're saying, no, I love it because I two-step the night away and all my exes do live in Texas. And, and so you're saying amen to, to country music. Uh, Others of you, you might say, well, I hate sushi, you know, because I don't understand it, you know, because somebody needs to put a flame on that thing or, uh, you know, just because we shouldn't be eating raw stuff. And, and, and some of you are saying, no, 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 bag it up. Let's go to the sushi bar, right? It's great stuff. And because and, and some of you are just sushi lovers. And some of you say, you know what? I hate Pinterest, because you don't understand why people would just want to take pictures of random things and do these other things when others are you are saying, no, 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 because of that, I am now Martha Stewart and Oprah Wimpy and, and every other kind of thing all wrapped up into one because I get all my creativity from Pinterest. See, there are things that we love and there are things that we hate, right? And so that, that is true with God as well. What is it that God loves and what is it that God hates? And, and that's what we're going to be talking about over these couple of weeks in this series. I want to give you a kind of an example of what I'm talking about. 
See, my family and I lived in Michigan. Uh, we we rented a home that was on 13 acres of land, and and in the back were these two big old barns and, and a stable area, and and my kids were allowed to go back there and play, okay, but they were not allowed to go beyond the back fence area because we couldn't see them if we went back to that point, and so they're they're young at this time, and and we wanted to make sure they were safe, and so. My son, Corey, used to pull around this red wagon, and and in the back of this little red wagon was this little wooden box that him and I had made for him to hold bugs and such, right? So my son, Corey, would go around the yard and and stable area collecting bugs and snakes and toads and all this fun stuff. Well, every once in a while, he would sneak past the back-fenced area and go catch creatures. And I would have to remind him that he wasn't supposed to go there unless his unless his mom and I were were with with him or watching him in some form or fashion. And so, one day I'm looking through the back window and I see him go through the fence in the back, and and I start walking out there to meet him. And he must have seen me because he came back through the fence and started walking back to the house. And and so we met halfway, and I asked him why does he keep going back there when he knows he's not supposed to. <laughs> and, I, and he says this, he says, well, that's where all the good toads are, Dad. And I said, well, is it worth getting into trouble over? And he said, depends on how good the toads are. You know, you, you got to respect that answer. But, but I hate when he would disobey and go beyond the fence line. But in the same time, I do love him, right? And I love him, and there's some things he does that, that I don't like so much. Well, that's where we're going to be talking about today, the love. What is it that God loves? There's something very foundational about God that we have to understand when we go to talk about God and, and what he loves. The first thing is I want you to share with you is, is a little bit of a statement. It says this, love is not what God does, but love is who God is. Love is not what God does, but love is who God is. I, and I'm going to share with you where I pulled that from. That is actually comes straight from Scripture, okay? It's 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Here's what it says. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, love is not what God does, but it is who God is. It's the very essence and nature of God. Love is who God is. But that poses a problem in our heads sometimes because if God is love, then why don't I always feel God's love? You know, I may not be close or I may not feel it. Well, I think there's a lot of different reasons why we may not feel God's love. And we're going to talk about three of those today and about what is it that we may not feel in God's love. So if you're kind of taking notes in your head or, or, or if you're at a place where you can write this stuff down, the first thing I want to share with you is simply this. Maybe we're not seeking God like we should. There's a beautiful truth found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where the Bible says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All of these things. Well, what are all of these things? Well, I don't know, maybe it's that you have a good, strong, healthy marriage, or, or maybe all these things is that you have peace and understanding about what it is that God wants you to do that day. Maybe it's that you have understanding and peace and, and wisdom about what it is that God has chosen for you as a career path. Maybe it's that it, all those things are that he's adding to you is a, a feeling and an understanding of his love. See, 
We have to seek first his kingdom and then all these things will be added to us. Well, maybe we're not feeling God's love because perhaps we're not seeking God like we should. It would be a a little bit like this. If you came to me and said, hey, Dan, I'm going to marry this girl, but we're not going to go on any kind of date. We're we're just going to go get married. And I would tell you, you've got to be crazy. Why? Because you need to seek her or, or ladies, you need to seek him. You, you've got to begin to understand what it is that he or, or she loves and what it is that they hate. And, and you do more of what they love and less of what they hate. It's not that hard. That's just kind of how we understand those things in our relationships. But we don't always do this with God. We will put him on the shelf and think, oh, we're supposed to feel his love all the time. But, but truthfully, we need to seek him, and as we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added unto you. Why is it sometimes that we don't feel God's love? Well, the first thing is that, you know what, maybe you're just not seeking God. And the second thing, okay, is that we don't love like God loves, okay? We don't love like God loves. We see this principle in First John chapter 4, so let's jump back into there, okay? And this time it's in verse 10, 11. Here's what it says says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, I, I believe that's setting the bar pretty high, right? Because I wouldn't send any of my kids to die for any of you, and any of you listening probably wouldn't send your kids to die for me. You see, God sent a, set a standard way above love, and he loves us despite anything we're doing for him. We don't always love like God loves. There's a statement I heard, and I think it's very applicable to what we're, what we're talking about today. So uh, if, you, if you have a chance to write this down or, or maybe uh, mark where you're listening to this at, but here's what it says. If we're going to live like Jesus lived, We're going to have to love like Jesus loved, okay? I like that. Let me say that again. If we're going to live like Jesus lived, then we're going to have to love like Jesus loved. The problem is we just don't naturally do this. We have many different things that pull us away or or we very easily can become frustrated with people and just want to smack them and go, you know, I can't believe this. And we just get upset because we don't love like God loves, okay? So let me give you an example of kind of what I'm talking about. And I can get easily frustrated with people when I go to Walmart, okay? And I probably don't even know need to go any further than that. But but I go to Walmart and and I get all of my items and and I go to checkout and and I have this spiritual gift of getting into the slowest line no matter what. You see, there could be a line over to my left that is much longer than and you would get in that line, and you would beat me through. And I'm standing there. Why? Because most of the time, I end up behind the lady who pulls out the checkbook. Okay. Now, I want to just make a statement here real quick. Writing a check at the grocery store probably went out somewhere a long time ago, along with, let's say, cassette tapes, right? Okay, that's how how crazy that is. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this lady has just pulled out a checkbook. This is crazy. And of course, you know the lady who does that, for me, is usually uh, carrying a purse, 
which I think would have to be checked in at the airport because it's too big to be a carry-on, right? You know the purses that I'm talking about. See, they pull these things out and they set it up on the counter. Actually, they don't really set it up on the counter. They kind of just plop it up there because it's so heavy. And, and they open it up and, and she's looking down in there and it's like, I know there's a pen down in there somewhere as if it's just apparent that now she has to go and pay for all this stuff, right? So she's looking, trying to look for these things, and she's throwing a half a bag of Cheez-Its out, a, a fly swatter, and a half-drunk bottle of water. And I'm like, what are you, Mary Poppins? How much stuff do you got in this thing? It's crazy, right? And she's pulling stuff out, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'll, I'll just pay for your groceries. Just forget it. Let's go. You know, you, you almost feel like you just got to do anything. No matter what, we've just got to do it. And it's never a good thing when you go over to the self-checkout area either, okay? Because that's where all the people who don't know the codes for the fruits and vegetables hang out, okay? And, and then you scan something, and you are supposed to place it in the bagging area where my items mysteriously seem to disappear according to the computer, right? It thinks I haven't put it there, and I know I have because I'm staring at it right in front of me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, can you help me do something here? And of course, the guy that's supposed to be helping me, right? Be he's not even anywhere to be found because he's over in aisle 14 helping Mary Poppins process her check. And I'm just going crazy in there. And I'm like, what is going on? And I get so frustrated with people. And many times there's so many different things that we can find that we will get frustrated with and, and easy to get angry with. But that's not God. Because love is not what God does. Love is who God is. And we don't love like God loves, and it makes it difficult for us sometimes to feel God's love because we don't understand how someone could love like that, right? Now, the third thing is that I want to share with you today is what I believe is probably the broadest answer and many times hits us the most where we live in regards to why we may not feel God's love. And, it, and I believe it's this. It's because that we feel unworthy. We don't feel worthy of his love. In Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 8, uh, it tells us something great. And some of you probably have got this memorized, uh, but I'm going to read it to you anyways. But here's what it says. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in other words, you didn't have to try to become worthy for God to send Christ for you. It's almost as if we're kind of over, you know, in this one side and, and we get into our heads that we're doing okay, that we're better than so-and-so and did you see what they did? And I'm not like that. And we begin this comparison thing and we place ourselves mentally where we're, where we're good. Me and God are good. Then what happens? Well, you get out of bed, that's what happens, and your day begins and you say something you shouldn't say and then all of a sudden you do something you knew you really shouldn't have done and you hurt someone and, and man, you shouldn't have said that and, and I can't believe I did that. And, and oh, I meant to be in God's word, but I just had other things that were way more important. I had to do something else and I should have done this and I should have done that. And, and the next thing you know, we're looking back, right? And we've seen, we, we, we've created this gap, this, this distance in our heads of how far we are from God. And, and all of a sudden now we're over on, instead of one side, now we're completely on the other side and we feel like, oh, how, how could God love me? You know, I don't feel worthy. 
So in our natural state, our thought is, let's climb and claw our way back over to the other side of where there's some worthiness, right? Well, the problem is we can't do that. And God knew that. So in Romans 5, that's why the Bible says that, that God demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you were still over on the other side, while you were still over there, he said, you know what? They can't make this difference up. And I know that. So I'm sending Jesus anyway, and I'm going to demonstrate my love for them. Not because I'm not going to wait until they're worthy, because why? We're not going to get there. We can't get there. We don't go that way. That's not how we think. And so God says, I know this, and I'm going to send. I'm going to demonstrate my love in this. I am sending Jesus. Why? So that they can have new life and be transformed and and be different. But many times, what happens? We don't feel worthy of God's love. And this is played out beautifully in the book of Genesis chapter 3. It's the story of Adam and Eve, and there's this creation account, right? And they're in the Garden of Eden, and everything's going great. And, and God says, listen, don't eat from the fruit of this tree, okay? Anything else, you're good. Just don't do this. Well, what do they do? They take a bite out of the apple and sin enters, and, and their eyes are open, and they realize they are naked. And they feel, the Bible says, Adam feels ashamed, They have been in constant relationship with God, and and all of a sudden, that's broken. Why? Because they distance themselves. You know, they're over on the other side, and they hear God walking in the garden. And what does Adam do? He says, I'm going to go to hide behind the bush. I'm going to go down here. Why? Because I feel ashamed, because I'm naked. Well, guess what? That's what we do. We say, if if people only knew what I thought, if people only knew how I felt about this situation, if people realized that, you know what, I'm not this great. I put on this facade about being this great Christian, but I don't even like going to pray, and it's hard for me to engage, and I don't really feel God's love a lot, and it's it's just hard, and, and I don't read my Bible, and I and I don't do this, and if people knew that, we would start feeling ashamed. So we put this distance in, right? And we hide. That's what we do. But check this out, okay? Genesis 3, God says, Adam, where are you? And I believe God's saying that to you today. Hey, Mary, where are you? Sue, where are you? Mark, where are you? John, where are you? And where are we? We're over here going, "Um, I'm hiding. And God says, why? Uh, Because I'm not good enough and I don't really feel good enough. I'm, I'm shameful. I feel guilty. I feel unlovable and I don't seek you like I should. I don't know. I just feel. And God says to Adam, where are you? He says, I'm hiding. Why? Because I was naked and I felt ashamed. And God looks at Adam and says, Adam, who told you that? And God says that to you today as well. Who told you that? Who told you that you were a shameful thing? Who told you that you should be holding on to the guilt for the decision that you made years ago? Who told you that you're not worthy of my love? Because I say something a little different. You see, in God's word, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says this, we are God's workmanship. The New Living Translation translated as this, we are God's masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's a beautiful truth. Not something we have to become worthy of, God says. 
hey, while you were still sinners, I sent Jesus, and you are my masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In fact, you know what? I don't think like you think. I don't love like you love. In fact, Isaiah 55 says that. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And he says, I see something different. You know what? You see something broken, and I see something beautiful. I see something I can utilize. I can create and transform and create a new purpose, a new meaning, a new creation, if you will, in Christ Jesus. What is it that God loves? Well, let me tell you. God loves to take broken, hurting people and make beautiful things. For whoever does not show love does not know God, because God is love. Amen. Thanks for listening to another Venture Podcast. Remember, next week will be a separate message, and then in two weeks we will finish up Love and Hate. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcasts or would like to support this ministry, please visit our website at www.chandleracreschurch.com.